if you imagine it's like some 15 year old girl in like you know bulgaria that's an incredible artist in blender and is making these like fabulous sneakers that everyone's buying in fifa she's now competing with like nike and adidas and these mega brands that have had so much built up sort of legacy or it's you know global distribution or supply chain management all these things that make it really hard for new creators to become entrants in the market like this this whole notion of, of basically levels the playing field for new creators which i think is super exciting welcome to the nft now podcast every wednesday we speak with trailblazing artists collectors and technologists about how nfts are redefining the creative economy and how you can be a part i'm sam heisel i'm alejandro navia and I'm Matt Medved, and we're on a mission to empower the creators of culture. Welcome to the show. Alejandro, how are we doing? I'm doing so well, it should be a crime. Who do we have on today? We have Donnie Dinch, the CEO and co-founder of Bitsky, uh, which is an NFT platform, just raised a $19 million Series A round led by Andreessen Horowitz, uh, also invested uh, from Jay-Z, Serena Williams, and others. Uh, they have a lot of exciting things in the works. So what are you excited about for this conversation? You know, I think I, I have a personal affinity to Bitsky. That's where I bought my first art NFT. And so like, there's something uh, attached to it, but I'm really interested to find out what are they thinking about the future? Because they announced the raise and then they went silent. You know, they had a couple brand activations and partnerships, but outside from that, we haven't heard much about what Bitsky's plans are for the NFT space. Well, we are about to find out. So before we do, uh, just want to remind everyone, head to nftnow.com. Be sure to sign up for our newsletter. We are always taking everything that's happening in the market and distilling it into actionable insights uh, weekly into your inbox. Uh, without any further ado, Donnie Dinch with Bitsky. Donnie, how's it going, man? Glad to have you on the NFT Now podcast. Going well. Thanks so much for uh, bringing me on here. I've been wanting to join for quite a while. The feeling has been mutual. We have been wanting you on for a while, and I'm glad we're making it happen. So uh, why don't we why don't we kick it off at the start? Tell us a little bit about how you got into NFTs and what was your journey to founding Bitsky? Yeah, absolutely. So um, Bitsky was started out of a labs company with some some co-founders that we'd previously started another company in music. Uh, it's a company called Will Call, acquired by Ticketfly, and then subsequently Pandora. Um, we left Pandora and wanted to work together again. We had no idea what we wanted to do. We bootstrapped it for a couple of years and eventually got to what what is Bitsky. And uh, really, it was like January 2018. So I like kind of ahead of the game here, I feel like, um, where... I saw CryptoKitties and, you know, it was kind of cool. Like I wasn't like overly in love with, I didn't know what the hell was going on. It was super complicated, but I like this idea that one, it was a blockchain like application that wasn't purely financial and that it basically kind of unlocked this, this, you know, this idea in my head that was like, okay, if nothing else, a blockchain is this global source of truth of who owns what and what that stuff can do. And Simultaneously, I was spending like $200 a month on like banana skin outfits in Fortnite, and I had no liquidity on these things at all. And it seemed almost criminal. And so there was kind of this eureka moment where, you know, I thought you should, everyone should just be able to own their digital things and have liquidity with them. And that should just be normal. And ownership should just be this primitive of the internet. And uh, so that was like January 2018. And it being someone who was not a, like an engineer or not an overly crypto savvy at the time, um, we were like, okay, 
let's say hypothetically Epic Games wanted to like create all these skins and make them uh, as NFTs and allow people to trade and sell them and all this stuff, what stuff needs to exist in order for that to be a reality? Because it's still kind of early infrastructure days. And that's kind of what, what how we started building Bitsky. The first thing we thought everyone needed was an easy to use wallet where um, they could single sign on and connect it to their Epic account, hypothetically. Um, they didn't have to worry about private keys and we can talk a little bit more about that. Um, where it's kind of almost like the Gmail of wallets. So we built that, we ended up building a handful of developer services, uh, shipped all of this around the end of 2018. And so the next year and a half, candidly, just kind of like not finding uh, product market fit. Like there was a, there's a lot of work that, uh, you know, we put into getting people to use these things. We kind of have them was like this, if this, then that, uh, where you could key off of any off-chain event to execute an on-chain transaction. And basically people didn't want to bring NFTs into their product yet. Fast forward to, uh, you know, I guess, winter 2020, uh, early 2021, um, we had always kind of hoped someone would build sort of a Shopify light on our platform uh, in order to sell NFTs with credit cards and no one did. So we did it and it, six weeks later we shipped it and that kind of blew up. And uh, yeah, so the rest is kind of in history. That's really fascinating, man. I love that story and I love that persistence of like that perseverance of like having that aha moment, but still continuing for 18 months. Most companies, you know, in startup, it's, that's like, that's like eons in terms of like progress and things of that nature. Uh, can you speak a little bit more about what having this perseverance and this clear vision? Can you talk to us about the, the mission of Bitsky? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a couple things. Uh, a good friend of mine said, like, after we ended up, you know, kind of finding product market fit and in, in, in doing our, our Series A, it was like the magic was that you guys stayed together. Uh, because, you know, th to have one person who's an absolute nut and, and like trying to, like, you know, heads down on this moonshot idea is hard enough, but to have three people that are really into it or four is absolutely bonkers. Um, really for us, anytime things got like tough, we kind of had this gut check moments where we were like, people are going to own their things on the internet, right? Like this is inevitable. Like Pandora's box is open. Like blockchain is a thing. It's not going to slow down. We're not going to start spending less time in digital places. This is absolutely inevitable. Like let's keep trucking. And I'll be candid. Like whenever we raised our series A, like we were like, like the bank account was like dusty. Like there wasn't a lot going on in there. And, um, and, you know, luckily we had great investors that, you know, it got us to the point that we needed to be, but, um, you know, we kind of think about it, like we were just kind of turtling down, working on this moonshot idea and yeah, finally it kind of hit escape velocity, which is pretty nice. Totally, man. Like, you know, speaking of that series, a, um, you just closed it a 19 million round, uh, led by Andreessen Horowitz, also featuring investments from notable figures like Jay-Z and Serena Williams. Tell us how that happened and how will those funds be used? Yeah, absolutely. So it's been a, it's been a few months now and in, in a lot of ways that those funds have been used is building out our team. So we went from, I think when we fundraised, I think we were a four or five person team to now we're, I think at 26. Um, so, uh, very ambitious plan. And I think that that's actually, uh, you know, the the reason we did the fundraise and really Bitsky has always had like sort of a 10 year goal. Um, we, we see a lot of excitement. Like we believe at the, at the most primitive level that people will own their digital stuff and how that what that means and the type of things that they'll do with it. You know, TBD, I think one of the big waves that we've seen so far over the past few months has been. Uh, the speculative nature of over art and other sort of fun NFT projects. Um, and I think that, 
you know, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of other weirder stuff that we do with the things that we own on the internet. This seems inevitable. Um, and so, yeah, I think that in Dreesen, we, we, you know, we work with Sri Ram Krishnan, who is actually on the consumer team, not on the crypto team, and got really excited about just the type of stuff that, you know, that you could do if you have a bit of a service layer that's abstracted from the, the, the protocol. So I would say like loosely analogous it's almost something like Cisco where Cisco built like an education and service layer on top of TCP IP and the dot com. There's a little bit of like similar roots as to what we're trying to do with Bitsky. Um, and maybe you could splash a little bit of Stripe in there as well. But really, we think a lot of like whether you're a virtual world or a social product or any type of places where you'd want people to own content um, and, and have liquidity with that content, you're going to need a tool set to really provide that that doesn't mean necessarily going straight to the raw protocol. So that's kind of where Bitsky fits in. And that's kind of how the round came together. And I think a lot of people really, I mean, I, I think, you know, Alejandro, you mentioned like, you know, your first NFT was, you know, purchased on Bitsky. And, and like, I think a lot of people's first NFTs have been purchased on Bitsky. I think now we're almost at like 200, maybe 220,000 wallets. People created people buying stuff on Bitsky. And it, a lot of it's like, this is their first foray into that. And so um, one fundamental, like, you know, principle we have is that we don't believe that you should need to be an expert in blockchain or cryptocurrencies in order to participate in like owning digital goods and the markets that come around those. And so, um, so yeah, that's kind of how the, you know, one of the reasons, I guess, primary reason the round came together like that. And that's, that's really awesome. And I love, I love that explanation around making sure that there's a, a consumer layer or a service layer on top of that. And, you know, those 19 million seems to be very strongly used because it's been some great feedback around this. You have had a lot of brands started working with you. So it seems like Bitsky's looking at positioning itself as the go-to platform for everyday consumer brands to work with. Can you speak more to this? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would say that first and foremost, um, Bitsky is going to be a platform company. Um, we will have a, a few first party products on top of our platform in order to provide context for other people on how they can build on our platform. Um, a great example, and, you know, we're not nearly at this level, but in the same way, when the iPhone came out in 2007, there was probably, what, seven or eight different apps on the phone before third party developers started building things for it. And, yeah, we've had a, we've had the opportunity to work with a lot of larger brands. You know, a lot of people are excited about providing their like community with you know different type of like collectibles or digital goods. And they understand that most of those folks aren't really crypto savvy. Even the people on those teams are having trouble setting up things like MetaMask. And so that's been a good opportunity for us. And quite candidly, it's been almost like a testing ground for a lot of the things that we've been building internally and a lot of the APIs that we're building. It's like getting feedback from folks that are not sort of endemic to the existing crypto crowd that are really excited to take advantage of some of these new user experiences that digital ownership enables. Makes total sense. You know, I know one thing I know that we've spoken about um, is sort of like our shared sort of like vision for the future of NFTs in which, you know, like the next 100 million users are coming in and, and how do we get there, you know, one of the missions of NFT now is driving um, driving mainstream adoption of NFTs, and I know that that's something you're very focused on. So, I'd, I'd love to hear a bit about from your perspective. What are some of those milestones that you feel are most critical uh, for driving that sort of mainstream adoption? Yeah, I mean, I think the lowest common denominator across everything is that if you're going to own stuff, you need a place to put it, and so that's really really on the wallet. And wallets have to make a huge leap forward. Um, you know, the way that the Bitsky wallet exists right now is is primarily web-based and we you know we're going you know, to be announcing relatively soon our ios wallet which is i think pretty fabulous and there's going to be a lot of exciting stuff that comes along with that but i think the, the biggest part is just okay if i'm going to buy something how do i own it and how do i how do i traverse 
the metaverse with this? How do I take it? And by the way, I should take a step back. We see metaverse is not one new place, but a constellation of all the places you already spend time. But now with this new connective tissue and we see sort of NFTs is sort of the atomic unit of that connective tissue. Um, and so I think that is really the biggest thing. If we talk to any, let's say, major game developer or any, anyone that has, you know, a, a tremendous amount of scale and wants to introduce this notion of, you know, NFTs to their audience or their community, the, the first thing that they always say is like, okay, well, you know, they don't understand anything about cryptocurrency. They don't know this. And I think that, you know, that is true. I think also there's a young, you know, uh, demographic of people that are really excited about Web3. And I think that, you know, they are learning. And I, I think that that's actually the balance is, you know, how much do you abstract uh, the complexity of what's happening versus communicate it and say, hey, now you have this cool thing where it's owned. You can look at here and on, you know, Etherscan and it's like on the chain and all these things. And so um, I think that I think so basically lowest common, common denominator is, is, is a great wallet experience. I think that's probably one of the biggest hurdles. And then also making sure that the places where I guess the next big use cases of NFTs are don't necessarily need to become blockchain developers or solidity experts in order to enable some of these new primitives. And so let's say like if you wanted to have a game, let's say a complete hypothetical like FIFA and say FIFA wanted to create uh, a marketplace for sneaker designs. They publish a standard and any any 3D artist could download that, you know, download that file, create any shoe they want, put it in the FIFA marketplace and anyone could buy it and sell it and dress their, uh, their players with it. That is very cool, but you're not going to have FIFA build out an entire, you know, blockchain team and write other contracts. They're going to need a handful of services and APIs in order to just do that, enable whatever experience they think should exist. So I think that's probably the, the next layer is, is enabling those things. And then, you know, even taking a little bit step further down the rabbit hole, I think that basically in that FIFA, you know, example that is totally hypothetical, um, that's read only access from FIFA's perspective, meaning, okay, I see that this person has a piece of third party content. I will display that in the game when they're playing. Um, or I think it gets super exciting is when you start giving these places like right access where, okay, this person won, you know, 50 matches with these boots on let's go ahead and like upgrade them to gold or like let's let's change or modify the look or the or, you know the abilities of this of this sneaker or this uh soccer cleat which i think is just wild and fascinating and just really wrecks the existing design space of a lot of like virtual worlds and games that we've seen today in a, in a, in a, in a great way and it kind of levels the playing field i'll say this too it's like if you imagine it's like some 15 year old girl in like you know bulgaria that's an incredible artist in blender and is making these like fabulous sneakers that everyone's buying in fifa they're now she's not competing with like Nike and Adidas and these mega brands that have had so much built up sort of legacy, whether it's, you know, uh, you know, global distribution or supply chain management, all these things that make it really hard for new creators to become entrants in the market. Like this, this whole notion of, of basically levels the playing field for new creators, which I think is super exciting. That's incredibly fascinating. I love those assets of like the facets of elevating creators into uh, into mainstream capabilities and creation, right? And actually empowering them. Yeah, you touched on a lot of actual fa facets of, of owning a platform. So I'd love to dive deeper into that. What are some of the less obvious challenges about owning and operating an NFT platform in 2021? Yeah, I mean, I think that, well, I don't know. I mean, one of the, one of the biggest challenges is that the, the blockchain is not not great uh all the time from like a developer perspective getting responses and the time and the latency 
um, and managing that experience to people that are new to this. Like, you know, for the past 15 years, people have been buying something on the internet and they immediately get it. They immediately get access to it. And a lot of times, you know, it's going to be delayed and, you know, in our support requests will, will, will pile up. And so what will, and, and I guess Bitsky is a little bit unique in that, you know, when you purchase with a credit card, we still meant directly on the Ethereum blockchain, um, but we use sort of an, we basically use our own stuff. We use an automated wallet that says, okay, it listens to this event, this person purchased this NFT and this is their address, mint directly to their wallet. And that'll fill up in a queue. Because sometimes like when we did, um, we did thing with like Jeff Staple and Artifact, I think we sold, I don't know, a bajillion, I don't know how many NFTs in like five seconds. And so obviously you can only do 12 transactions per second on the Ethereum blockchain. So we have a great queuing mechanism, but it takes time to kind of mow through that queue. And so, um, you know, adding different sort of, uh, you know, I guess indicators and in communicating better feedback loops as to what's going on, I think is important. I think the other thing is just the, the amount of weird things that everyone wants to do is so exciting, but it's, Every small variant that you want to do of something is is just makes it X more complicated from a platform perspective. Generally, when you're building features on a platform, you want to do it in such a way that, you know, is going to be utilized by, you know, 80% of your audience. You kind of think about, okay, is this something that I think a lot of people will like? Yes. Okay. I will, this new customer will now drive the feature development of something that we think makes a lot of sense. Um, but sometimes, you know, that you can't, you can't, people want something that might seem simple, but it becomes really, really complicated. Um, also, just a tremendous amount of inbound and load. Obviously, uh, I think everyone in the market has learned a lot about scaling this year. Um, you know, the traffic has been, you know, bananas. At one point, back to that, actually, that the Jeff Stable artifact, we hit Stripe's uh, API processing limit of 100 requests per second, which is kind of nuts. We never really thought that would happen. Um, and so, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of, a lot of things like that, but ultimately the other the other side of it is that there's actually a genuinely strong amount of optimism in forgiveness where people are like, okay, this is new. I don't know what the hell's really going on. You guys seem nice. Um, keep us posted whenever things meant or whatever. And I think having, you know, it's requisite to have a strong uh, community presence in your discord and to communicate with all the different new folks. We have tons and tons, like, you know, when we're working with some of these brands, you know, it's their audience that are in their community, they're now buying these NFTs and they're coming to our discord to learn more about it. And so um, just making sure, you know, making it clear that that is a, just in like a requisite role at our business and our company and any platform, I think has been really important. And if you look at the ones that have done well, I think it's the ones that have managed and helped out their community the most. Yeah, I think that's a really salient um, observation and, and some really great points you're making. Um, you know, I think that um, kind of kind of jumping off that, as you know, the CEO of a of a you know major NFT platform, I'm sure that you're always keeping an eye on um, developments with like the regulatory landscape. And and I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are currently about like sort of the potential future regulation of NFTs and how that could affect platforms. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's going to be tricky. Um, the the good news is, you know. There's, a, I think there's a lot of good people running platforms in this space and we all know each other. We've all, you know, any of the platforms that exist today for the most part um, have been working on this for quite a long time and, you know, are, are comrades in, you know, the period where no one gave a shit about NFTs. But um, it is it is something that uh, we're keeping an eye on. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of trickiness around getting cost basis and understanding how much something costs, especially if you buy something that wasn't you know directly on chain or from an on chain transfer. Um, it's not just implied what the value is. So I think there's going to be a new set of standards that are going to start to evolve 
there will basically be a coalition of people that are working together. Um, even you, you've already seen a little bit of this with, um, you know, what Manifold has done with their sort of royalty standards that they're putting out, which we think is absolutely fabulous. Um, and, you know, it's it's really uh, kind of up to these platforms to help educate the government on a way that actually makes sense. I don't think there's a world where there is no amount of regulatory anything on NFTs indefinitely. Um, I'll tell you, I had a conversation with a CEO of a publicly traded game publisher that's very, very large and super excited about NFTs. The first question was like, well, how do we tax these things? If someone buys a $5 sword and levels it up and now it's worth $500, how do we handle that? Like as a publicly traded company, we can't, you know, we can't just do it without, you know, handling that. Um, and so I, I think that that's actually kind of going back to an earlier question, probably another sort of checkbox that's going to have to be addressed before we see that 100 million MAU sort of uh, use cases exist. Um, but at the same time, there's also seems to be a certain amount of like implied safe harbor and lenience uh, where, you know, everyone's like, I don't, we don't know what the hell these things are going to do long term. So let's just allow some creativity now. But um it's i think everyone's aware of it everyone is, is keeping a close eye on it that's really spot on i appreciate that that perspective and with that understanding with that vision of seeing what the metaverse is going through what is the play for bitsky in this metaverse yeah so um so so basically bitsky has sort of like two facets it's you know a developer platform with a marketplace on top um, and that marketplace will have some big updates coming very soon and then the other side of that is a wallet in the wallet like i said right now you know recently passed 200,000 wallets that wallet will be a very big part of where we think bitsky fits in um, because it is a single sign-on oauth compliant wallet it can be connected to things like a snap account or a tiktok account or a you know epic account all these different accounts that already exist um, so i think that's a big part i think the other thing is that we are enabling other people to build whatever they want with respect to NFTs and their products. So say if you are a game and you want to have a marketplace in your game, that makes a lot of sense. Um, if you are an existing you know, marketplace that sells physical goods and you want to start integrating digital goods, Bitsky has services that you can just, you know, in APIs that you can do uh, to actually, you know, create NFTs directly from your existing CMS uh, and to, you know, manage the the sell and the secondary sales of those within your place. So Bitsky is really trying to build the underlying platform that powers everyone's marketplace in all the ways that people want to add uh, utility and value to NFTs. That's really where we see the, the biggest opportunity and, and providing a great user experience and wallet as well. You know, I think you touched on this a bit, too. But, you know, kind of with that forward looking um, mentality, well, you know, it's, it's been interesting to see how digital collectibles, digital art, you know, proved to be popular use cases for NFTs that drove a lot of mainstream adoption. But what do you think are some of the less heralded use cases for NFTs that you have your eye on that maybe, you know, the market or the public haven't quite caught on to yet? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, I think probably for a lot of the people from this audience, it, it might sound familiar, but I think using NFTs as sort of an, a method of gated access, um, I think is is very it sounds simple, but I think it has a lot of large, large implications. Um, I think the idea of having, um, if say you're hypothetically like a, an artist on tour or, you know, a, a musician on tour and um, you want to publish an NFT, you know, every week that's like, a, you know, behind the scenes, you know, clips and stuff like that. Um, and you have to basically as a, as a fan, you need to you need to purchase that NFT weekly in order to maintain access to like an ongoing discord or something. So there's sort of like episodic content that it's up to you to create good value in order for people to want to continue to contribute. And so you have some sort of like 
some interesting patronage uh, vibes there that I think make a lot of sense. Um, I, I think that, you know, my previous company was in ticketing. I, I know that ticketing is a uh, is one of those things that everyone thinks blockchain is a great tool for. And candidly, it is a really good tool for it. Um, I think the challenge is there's just a, it's like a human debt problem in, in, in the ticketing world at large where uh, it's still run by a lot of people that don't really care about new technology and they put together a series of hacks uh, so they have, you know, their monopoly that exists today. Um, but I do think that for, you know, new projects, obviously what FWB is doing and their sort of ticket scanning method, I think is very cool. So I, I think all of that makes a lot of sense. And I think, I mean, the real big, I think the next wave um, outside of, you know, art and collectibles is going to be like digital commerce in, with digital goods. I think having things that I can use to represent myself uh, like in a, in a digital place in the same way that, you know, the sweatshirt that I'm wearing now uh, or, you know, the stuff behind me like represents who I am. I want to be able to do that in uh, like in a, in a virtual way across all the places I spend time. We've already seen this with like PFP photos on Twitter. So to the extent that um, we can get that to be more prevalent and I think in, in bigger games in, in more places, I think that's going to be a huge deal. Uh, the other thing is just, you know, let's say hypothetically every Instagram post or every you know, TikTok is an NFT. What does that mean? I don't know. I don't hundred percent know if there's people that are willing to pay for it or if owning it unlocks some sort of interesting use case, you know, that sounds very, very exciting. The way that I look at NFTs right now is similar to like a website in 1994, super excited because we got pictures and text, like mind blown. But the reality is these things are like Turing complete pieces of software and we they're, they're more of a platform than they are a medium. And so I think that that is incredibly exciting, but to the, in the same way that I didn't know that someone was going to make Uber when you had access to my location and my phone, I don't know what kind of crazy things are going to, you know, people are going to make with NFTs. I'm just kind of hell bent on making sure that they have tools to like explore all those crazy ideas. You kind of like that's spot on. I love that Uber example. Like when somebody had access to my location, nobody thought of Uber. Everybody was like, "How can I transport myself?" Right? Like in that capacity. So I love I love that metaphor there. And so, like, what is the like? If you had to refine it down to one single area of focus, what's the thing that's most exciting for you in the NFT space? I think the most exciting thing right now is probably building a great wallet experience. Um, I, I know that we have a couple of those out there right now. Um, the construct that is a wallet, in my opinion, is yet to be defined. Uh, I think we're kind of in like the email world pre-inbox. Um, you know, we have this sort of protocol of things, but how do we use a wallet? How do we make that a daily, you know, habitual use case? What information do I want from a wallet? Like candidly, I don't know that my wallet should just be a place where I open up and see my stuff. Like, sure, that should be a part of it. But I think that as a as a as a construct and as an app, uh, there's there's a much much larger opportunity there. So that's something that we've been you know heavily thinking about. I love that. I love that. And you know, uh, I think some of the listeners too would be curious. I know I'm curious. Like, what's in your wallet, Donnie? Like, what what are some of the NFT collections that that you've you know the kind of the highlights of your own NFT collections? The the NFTs you've collected. Uh, what what do you have your eye on? What catches your eye? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I you know I have some uh some early axes. One was a gift from uh, Jiho, which was kind of cool. I actually met him at like a 15 person meetup in New York in 2018. And I was like, what the hell is Axie Infinity? And like, yeah, anyway, um, they, obviously it worked. Uh, and then I recently just got a Creatures. I really like, actually, it's probably one of my favorite uh, collections or the Creatures. I think that, I don't know, they're so weird and oddball and just kind of 
I, I, I like it. Loot was very compelling. So I, 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 and I think maybe the loot hype wave is probably a little past peak, but I think what's really important about loot. And so I ended up, by the way, luckily bought a loot. I didn't even know, like I met Dom way back when, right before he actually launched Vine. And uh, I don't think he and I are, know each other that well, but um, I've just been following him ever since then because he's always making creative stuff. I don't know if you've seen his previous apps like Byte and, and all these other things, but Loot was really compelling because it's actually what I got excited about CryptoKitties for. So a long time ago, you guys know Gabby uh, from Yield Guild, right? Gabby and I met in San Francisco, like let's say summer 2018, and he showed me this little game that they were building that was like an isometric pirate ship game where you like drove your pirate ship around and you blew up other pirate ships, right? But you could bring in your crypto kitty and it would be the flag on your pirate ship and the attributes would modify what your ship could do. So it could go faster, it could shoot further, uh, had higher defense, whatever. So in my mind, I always thought that was really cool to think of like the actual NFT is the platform that other people build around. And so maybe like there's one NFT that's like, in, this obviously applies to loot, but it's much more explicit because there's no cat involved. It's just the attributes effectively. But it's like, okay, maybe I build a game where, you know, this set of loot is super compelling and like very high demand, but someone else built something completely different where, you know, something that was super not valuable in this game is now all of a sudden very, very valuable. And you start to get this sort of like secondary and derivative values associated with the content as a platform. I think, I think a great example is sort of like Jordan's like, Jordans were initially made as a basketball sneaker, but that is not what anyone really uses them for. Uh, they have, they've created this whole new value outside of the core value that they were intended for. So anyway, loot's a very cool one. I'm trying to think off the top of my head, really big into like handful of crypto toads. Like there's just a, a lot of, uh, we actually have a few of them in our, in our Slack channel. Basically the whole Slack channel has been taken over by toads. Um, when our designer built like an, a Figma toad generator, uh, which is pretty tight. Um, so that's been a good one. Uh, it's been a, a couple others. Um, to be candid, I missed, I actually have a CryptoPunk that is long gone. Um, one of the people that is just, it's, it's, it's in a MetaMask that is absolutely just lost at sea indefinitely. Got rested soul. Um, and I never, I never got into a, a board ape, not because I didn't like it because I was super busy and heads down and I missed the whole window. And I super regret it because I think they're probably some of the dopest looking NFTs out there. So um, those are the things that I'm excited about. Also, um, Treeverse, I'm, I'm pretty excited. Like any any sort of open any sort of open world thing, that's really where my excitement lies a bit more. Is when we start to shift the utility from uh, you know to something that it can be you know bought and sold to more something that can be used in a material way. So those NFTs uh, kind of I like the ones going in that direction quite a bit. And obviously, I should I should say with that. The Jeff Staple sneaker, anything made by Artifact, those guys, I mean, I think they're really defining any other fashion brand's roadmap for the next five years, uh, which is, I mean, they're, just, they're brilliant. Spot on, dude. We could be aligned in some of those uh, takes that you mentioned. Um, love the open source aspect of the open world. Um, but just to kind of close it off, um, where do you see Bitsky fitting in, in the platform landscape going forward? Yeah, I think Bitsky will, from a platform perspective, I don't, you know, we will have, um, and I guess by the time this goes live, we will have a uh, a marketplace that is a bit uh, relaunched from what is what exists today, where anyone can sign up and can start selling NFTs via a credit card. Um, and will eventually be able to uh, sell their NFTs that they own via a credit card, where basically we abstract away uh, a lot of the blockchain things. You'll also be able to sell on-chain NFTs and things like that as well. But really, we don't want to go head to head with like a, an, an OpenSea or even you know a foundation. We want to enable 
a hundred million different <laughs> uh, marketplaces to exist. Um, I think that you know it's important that all of those things are built in a way that are interoperable. So if I do buy something in a hypothetical Rocket League marketplace that I can you know still take it to OpenSea, and if I want to sell it there or I want to trade, I think that's important. But I think a lot of folks really, I, I think especially when you get into gaming and you're like, I'm on an Xbox or I'm on a PlayStation and I want to like, I want to participate in a marketplace. I don't want to like go to somebody else's. I want to be able to do it natively in that experience um, and have a wallet that can traverse all of these places. So I think we really kind of fit in and like uh, enabling other people to build their own versions of things that they want to do with NFTs uh, versus being a primary destination. That said, we do have, uh, we, we will have our own marketplace that um, I think is going to be useful for a lot of people. Very cool. Well, we are eagerly, eagerly anticipated and uh, are excited to see what you have in the works. Obviously, exciting things on the horizon. So thank, thank you for joining us. Yeah, man, absolutely. I'll definitely give you both uh, early test flight access to this, this new wallet that we're building. I think you guys are going to like it. Love that. Love that. Love that. All right. Well, Donnie, thanks again. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Absolutely. See you guys in a couple of weeks. Later. Wow. Uh, we covered a lot of ground in that conversation. Alejandro, uh, what stood out to you? Man, Matt, so many things to pick from, but I'm really, really intrigued and fascinated by Donnie's perspective on the broader NFT capacity. And he's playing a completely different game than most platforms are right now. And like, I just love how he's thinking about open games, open sourcing, the APIs, and really how he wants to build this as a infrastructure play and not just a platform play beyond NFT art that's going on right now. So I'm really excited to see that future um, pan out. And he just has such clear conviction to what he's building that anyone should be behind him will succeed. Yeah, you know, I, I really appreciated his focus on the user experience. I think that's something that's really key. It, it gets a lot of, uh, you know, it gets it gets a lot of lip service, but uh, it tends to sometimes fall by the wayside when people are talking about, you know, these sort of like, um, you know, ten year out forecasts and and you know, kind of like much grander uh, visions of of NFT potential. But at the end of the day, um, you know, it's this mainstream adoption is going to be limited, or it's going to uh, be driven by the ease with which people can use it. And so, I think his focus on the wallet and the wallet experience, he kept coming back down to that. You know, keeping it simple, being very focused, as you said, a lot of clear conviction. Um, I think that will serve Bitsky well in the future. So. Uh, great conversation. Excited to see what they do uh, going forward. Uh, and, you know, just want to, before we go, remind everyone, if you're enjoying the podcast, uh, please go to your streaming service of choice and leave us a review. Um, you know, send us send some stars our way. And uh, we will catch you again on the NFT Now podcast. <laughs>